This episode is brought to you by Underground at the Showcase, an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase. Brought to you by one of my favorite nonprofits, Youth on Record, Underground at the Showcase is a podcast hosted and produced by young people, the future leaders of our arts community. The show features conversations with great local musicians like Ramakandra, Immigrant's Child, and Blue Book, and offers a space for creatives in our community to talk about everything, from songwriting to the return of live music in a post-COVID world. Find Underground at the Showcase on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and learn more at youthonrecord.org forward slash podcasting. Today on CityCast Denver. There's this really simple idea that's been bouncing around Denver for the past few years. It's like, if we don't have enough housing for everyone who wants to live here, and we have all these empty motels up and down Colfax, couldn't we convert some of them into apartments? Denver City Council approved almost a million dollars last week to support one recent attempt to do just that. And it's so promising that even the governor's office is looking into it. Let me be clear. It wasn't, you know, Jared Polis himself. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm sure he was in the background. No, but it was uh, one of his policy advisors to this very point that you raised, like, is this the model? So is this the model? My guest today is Monica Martinez, executive director of the Fax Partnership and proud owner of two of East Colfax's rundown old motels. Today is Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Monica Martinez, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hi, thanks for having me, Bree. So Monica, I have to ask, why would a community nonprofit like the Fax Partnership do something kind of crazy, like buy two dilapidated old motels on East Colfax? Yeah, I ask myself that almost every day, actually, <laughs> now that I own them. But I mean, I think it's twofold. I mean, one, we strongly feel that the affordable housing crisis in the city of Denver that I love is so acute that we needed to get in the game and try to solve the problem. But also realize that the motels themselves are a unique land use type on East Colfax. Our organization is based on East Colfax. And this was the gateway to the Rockies at one time. It's dotted with these motels from the 1940s and 50s. And so we knew that this land use type was unique to this corridor. And um, given our area of focus, we could see these as uh, an acquisition potential. Um, and we've been trying to buy motels now for a number of years. So you've got these places that already can house people in the area where you work. Why not do something to make that a more permanent solution for housing because they're already being used as housing in in some capacity right yeah for sure it's not they're not tourists it isn't folks on their way to the mountains it's now the working poor people who can't pay first and last month's rent who can't pass a background check and so it was actually in 2019 that the fax partnership convened a land use advisory committee it was a committee that we called of land use experts and we presented this concept could you buy motels could you buy buy them with debt you know so you have to borrow the money right yeah could you pay for that debt while operating them as housing and cover your expenses cover your debt and still you know charge a, a reduced rate and um this committee said yes we studied it and saw that this this business type of acquiring a motel converting it to housing could work 
It took us till 2022 to finally execute on our vision to acquire motels. But while we were starting to do that, other entities, other cities around the country here in Denver, even the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless came to the same conclusion. And it is to your point, Bree, they provide immediate housing. That new construction affordable housing is a great way to address the issue of affordable housing. But guess what? It takes a long time to build a new unit. And instead, what we did is we bought these and immediately had housing to provide to the community. Well, and I love the point that you're making here, which is that Colfax has changed, right? It, it Like you said, it was the gateway to the Rockies. This was like pre-interstates. This is how folks were getting to Denver and then going on to the mountains. So those hotels served tourists. But that has changed dramatically in the last 30, 40 years. And people are now utilizing these spaces as housing. So why not put a little bit of stability maybe behind that? And you brought up the money component. And I just wonder, I know from the Denver Business Journal article that this purchase cost you over $4 million as an organization. How did you get that money together? So in the spring, we approached a motel owner that owned two contiguous motels. They're right next door to each other. So I went to my board and said, let's just get them under contract, and then let's see what we can do. And that risk ended up paying off. We did have to put $50,000 down as earnest money. And you have you have 90 days where you then try to put your capital stack together. Um, and we were able to with uh, a national affordable housing nonprofit. So they were the senior lender. They came in and then uh, Chaffa, Colorado Housing and Finance Agency, they came in at a $2 million amount. And then the Latino Community Foundation has a brand new Communities of Color Loan Fund. But guess what? Why were they all interested in taking a risk on a small organization? Because the city and the state also expressed interest in this deal. And so it was one of these, like, if they're in, I'm in. And if they're in, well, me too. And so this past Monday, city council approved a $983,000 grant towards this project. And so those public dollars are going to be used, one, some of it is being used to rehab these properties, but the majority of those public dollars are uh, grants that are going towards the debt. So you're doing a lot of strategizing. How many, <laughs> like, how many partners can I get to the table to make this work? And once you do that, then the city and the state saw what you were doing and said, okay, we want to help because someone's already got the ball rolling, right? Mm -hmm. This just like, I, I have to say, this sounds really complicated and complex. And, and I, I wonder what made you want to take this on as somebody that works in this community every day? I'm very committed to our mission. Um, the FACTS Partnerships mission is to strengthen support the businesses and residents that live and work along East Colfax. But guess what? If you just do that, you're not really solving the systemic issues of, of displacement. And I've always felt you have to do both. You, you have to both work with who's there now, but then create the community you want to see. And we strongly believe deed-restricted affordable housing is a means for preventing displacement. And, and unless we get in the game and and work towards realizing that vision of new units that are affordable, if we don't try to solve that problem, then we're just, you know, contributing to the systemic weaknesses. I don't think it's for everybody. Um, it really took all partners and um, the Land Use Advisory Committee I mentioned, political context. We really had to leverage all of our assets to make this happen. Um, community development is a complex space. However, 
We need more players in the space because the, the needs are so great. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So right now, the, the motels that you purchased are functioning as housing, but eventually you're going to demolish those motels to build more units and, and serve more folks. But I read that you can't redevelop them until 2028. What is taking so long? Ah, that is the, the million dollar question. These are motels that have been there since the 1940s. And we are still dealing with the decisions we as policymakers made when we were a car-oriented society. And that means that there are uh, vestiges of that. And one of those vestiges is a billboard. This site has had a billboard permit since 1956. So there's been a billboard there for decades. And it turns out after we got under contract, Maybe six weeks before closing, we all realized that that billboard lease does not expire next year, like we thought in 2023, but rather in 2028. And it turns out billboard companies feel very strongly about doing their job of advertising. Um, and I think it's effectively because they can't build a new board, billboard anywhere in the city. Oh, because of current, zoning. current sort of zoning laws say you can't just build a billboard Mm -mm. next to a house no. <laughs> or, or housing or whatever. Yeah, exactly. We tried to buy them out and it turns out they they don't want they don't want to take our money. Um, and it really then precludes redevelopment till 2028, which is is a sad fact. However, given that the billboard lease has been in place since 1956, I kind of am relieved it's just six years I have to wait. <laughs> I know, but that's nuts. I mean, I get it. I hear what you're saying. Like, it's literally a billboard on a property and you can't you can't build around it. You can't tear down everything and then build around this billboard. But they wouldn't take your money to just take it down. Yeah. And then what, you know, as a result, then we don't get that new construction affordable housing we need. So, you know, we know Colfax. There are these old motels up and down it, east and west. What is stopping us from redeveloping more of these into housing? Well, I think a lot of people have come to that strategy. There is actually a developer caddy corner from us that has acquired two of these motels, the Branding Iron and the Awani. The Facts actually tried to buy the Awani and we got beaten out by this developer. Um, she's converting them to market rate 
apartments. Um, in some ways, um, for those who really like this architecture, it's sort of a win. We're we're not um, demolishing all of these sort of vintage motels, and they do have an architectural value and a historic value. The facts would love to buy additional motels on the corridor and convert into affordable housing. Um, and I, I know other groups are looking at that. And one of the exciting things is the amount of money that now that is being put into affordable housing. I, I think you and your listeners probably know Proposition 123 was passed. Um, uh, that's going to provide new dollars, dedicated dollars to affordable housing. And then what's currently still um, helping is the ARPA, the federal... Uh, the rescue plan? Yeah. yeah uh, dollars. Those ARPA dollars are being used by both the city and the state for this motel project. And so I do think over the next year or two, you may see additional motels acquired for this purpose. Um, I'd love to, um, and I do have that in my plans, but I first need to catch my breath and you know <laughs> make sure I'm managing these appropriately. Well, I was going to say too, you, you're also just maybe creating the model that other nonprofits could look to to say, oh, okay, if we build a coalition of interested lenders and organizations, this is a possibility. And and I hear you on the, you know, I, I hear the preservation side of this. It's like, these are cool motels. They represent a time and place in Denver. Um, but there is a point at which housing is is the thing that we need the most. And sometimes some stuff has to go. Well, I think cities are living things, right? And we have to accept that change is inevitable in cities, especially cities that are growing and are popular. Um, you know, many cities in America are not growing, are losing people. Um, that's we're not one of them. And so realizing that there's going to be change and then trying to make the change you want to see is my philosophy. I appreciate that. I wonder if there are any lessons that you've learned in these past couple of, of months or years that you could share or you want others to know about, like folks looking to, to help with the housing crisis. What have you learned? Unfortunately, development has become a battleground. And I do understand folks' fear of change or the impact of, of new construction development. But sadly, I think fundamentally, the laws of economics went out at the end of the day, supply and demand. If you have more people that need housing than you can supply them, it'll inevitably increase the costs. And so when folks are fighting development, whether it's NIMBYs who perceive it as a threat to their property values or a new coalition of anti-displacement sort of activists, they have very um, important points they're making, but combined they're saying, we want no change, we want no development. And, and and then I inevitably think that that'll just increase your cost of development. And if you're not building the units, then what will be left are the higher income people that can afford to stay. And um, you and you go to cities like Los Angeles or, or, you know, Paris or something, you know, these cities are becoming Disneyland's of high, high income individuals. And I what I want to see is a, a city that has folks across the income spectrum. And so that's why I think we need to accept that new units have to be built. And it is our job to ensure that they're deed restricted. Well, and in the, the Disneyland, like sort of idea or metaphor, I'm thinking about Vail just turned down affordable housing. And I was like, who do you think is going to work at your resorts? <laughs> like, who's going to make your cities run? Yeah. Well, Monica Martinez, thank you so much. It was nice to talk to you, Brie. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. 
homophobia in our shelter system. According to a report from Denverite, Denver Rescue Mission bans its employees from, quote, acting on same-sex attraction and rejection of one's biological sex. The Christian nonprofit operates a 24-hour shelter downtown for people experiencing homelessness, in part thanks to an $8.7 million contract with the city. After this issue was reported last week and after pressure from city officials, the Denver Rescue Mission has said they plan to remove the discriminatory language from their employee handbook. And finally, a shout out to one of our favorite listeners, Colston Mills, a student at Denver School of the Arts. Thanks for listening, Colston. We're so happy to have you in the CityCast Denver community. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the housing nerd in your life about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Paul, I may have to go to Rhino soon because they're opening a Pendleton store down there. Yeah, I think there's actually one in Larimer Square too, not to like, it's not like that amazing, but I might still get to go to look at that stuff in person. (laughs)